Horror Comics have been scaring readers for years. Is there anyone brave enough to sit down with their creators? This is Discussions with Decapitated Dan. This week on Discussions with Decapitated Dan, Lonnie Nadler and Pedro Cabazuelo join Dan to talk all things Hellblazer. Discussions with Decapitated Dan is brought to you by CuriousGoodsAndComics.com. Don't be afraid to lose your head over all the savings. CuriousGoodsAndComics.com, where Decapitated Dan gets his books. Are you a comic book creator? Do you write, draw, color, letter, ink, edit, or do your own webcomic? If so, you're eligible to nominate for the Ghastly Awards. Go over to GhastlyAwards.com and find the nomination form and nominate for this year's Best in Horror Comics, the Ghastly Awards, honoring excellence in horror comics since 2011. GhastlyAwards.com So, welcome everybody to this week's Discussions with Decapitated Dan. Uh, we have a special treat for you this week. Uh, this week I am joined by Lonnie Nadler. Hey, Lonnie. Hey. And Pedro. Oh, see, I, already, I ruined it. I got it perfect on that first take, and now I'm calling you Pedro. Pedro Cabezuelo. Yep, that's so great. All right, I got it. I got yeah. it that time. That's what happens when you do second takes. It's like... Whatever, whatever. Uh, real quick, uh, everybody remembers Lonnie from when he came on last time. But Lonnie, remind us, who are you and what you do? Uh, I am an editor and principal contributor at BloodyDisgusting.com for the comic book section, and I also do some film coverage for them as well. And Pedro, since it's your first time, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I do the monthly comic book column for Rumorg Magazine. Very cool. Very cool. And of course, like I said earlier, and I'm repeating myself, we are all Ghastly Award judges. So we applaud ourselves for that. Yay! 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 Yay. <laughs> uh, no, and, you know, as, as weird as it is, you know, we're actually going to do a discussion this time, and we're not going to do an interview. Uh, and we are here to talk about something that saddens all three of us, and that is basically DC deciding to cancel <clears throat> the longest-running horror series of all time, Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. We all go. Uh, basically, <laughs> basically, this is what sucks is we already did all this. We recorded it. They recorded it and turned on. But basically, John Constantine uh, showed up in Swamp Thing number 37 in 1985. And we have learned that Lonnie wasn't born yet. <laughs> I, was I wasn't three. even cooking in my mother's womb yet. <laughs> I was three and Pedro was 14. <laughs> yeah. So uh, real quick, Pedro, tell us again. uh uh, how you how you were introduced to Constantine? Yep. So, um, like I mentioned, the my first or my first glimpse of him was in an issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, which came out in '85, and it was just I, I think it was just a brief one pager that had the character in and interacting with a couple of other DC characters, and um, I just remember thinking, you know, who is this guy? He looks like Sting. Um, <laughs> it's funny. And, <laughs> it's that, yeah. but, it's funny. But I. 
I didn't really know, um, you know, what else, anything about him. So uh, from then on, I started reading reading Swamp Thing and learned more about the character. And then when his own series eventually started, I started picking it up from the beginning. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't Wikipedia it for this episode, he actually is based off his thing. Physically, yeah, I, I believe the uh, total bin, I guess, was the, the first artist to uh, do him. Um, yeah, I think based uh, based his physical appearance on him. Yeah, something about everybody being a, a fan of the police at that time. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> go figure. Go go figure that. Uh, and in January of 1988. Uh, Hellblazer began under the DC line, and it wasn't until March of 1993 on issue number 63 that it actually became Vertigo, and that was one of the initial Vertigo launches as well. Correct, yeah. So uh, from there we had, uh, I guess, Jamie Delano and John Ridgway were the original pairing uh, writer and and artist on the series, Uh, Dave McKean doing some amazing covers. We had over... See, now I counted it last time. Ten, ten different writers yeah, just on the main series and, and numerous artists. Writer-wise, Garth Ennis and Mike Carey had the longest runs on the series, but we also had Paul Jenkins, Warren Ellis, Brian Azzarello, Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison, Denise Mina, and currently Peter Milligan. Okay. Uh, and then artist-wise, we had people like Simon Bisley, Mark Buckingham, Steve Pugh, Richard Corbin, Steve Dillon, Marcella Frusen, J- Jock, David Lloyd, Leonardo Manco, Sean Phillips, and Giuseppe Camicoli. And we'll, we're going to touch on you know who our favorites were after a while. Um, we've, I guess now we have to go back to the horrible thing that we were talking about when we realized that it wasn't recording, and that is that in 2005 there was a Constantine movie, which makes me laugh as soon as you say it. So now I want to sidetrack just for a second because we've kind of already had this discussion. Um, another very famous horror comic detective, actually, if we're looking at comics outside of the U.S., which is the longest-running horror comic detective, next to Constantine would be Dylan Dog. So, did you guys check out the Dylan Dog movie? Yes. I... <laughs> uh, I did not, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. Did you read the... Dylan Dog prior to seeing that movie, Lonnie? Yes. <laughs> the basic thing we learned is we can't make a good horror detective movie. That movie was on my... I Last year we did a, like the annual Bloody Disgusting Best Staff Picks Best and Worst of the Year, and that was on my Worst of the Year list. I have to I I have to admit this because I was I was a huge I was so against that movie when it came out just because you're setting it in America and your casting was horrible but I did decide to check it out and I checked it and I, and plus I'm a wait are are you talking about are you talking about Hellblazer now or Dylan Dog still, I'm still on Dylan Dog I have to okay. say, I have to say this um, huge Dylan Dog fan absolutely love it I wish I could get you know, we've had seven books translated into English, and there's still 200 and some that haven't been. So I'm like wishing I, I'm going to learn Italian just to read these damn. Books. And and I I was like boycotting that movie. I was like, don't watch it, don't watch it. They've they've messed it up so much. But I thought it was so far from what the book actually was. I enjoyed the living hell out of it. It was just so wrong. It was, 
it was it was fun in its own right. So I, I just want to throw that in. But now <coughs> we'll switch back over to the Constantine movie, and Pedro can tell us about how much he loved it. Uh, yeah, because I haven't seen it. So, um, but yeah, I, I just I remember reading about it when when they announced the casting and and the basic storyline, and I just I thought it was just such a stupid thing to do. Um, uh, casting Keanu Reeves, who I think is probably the most un-British, you know, <laughs> chain-smoking, alcoholic person you could probably find out there. And um, and then moving it to L.A., and, and I just thought, you know, this is a completely different character, and it's a completely different story, so why even bother? Um, so I just completely skipped it. It's one of those things where if you actually you, you think about it, and if you go back to the, the original Hellblazer stuff, you could have you could have just had him get on a damn plane and come to America mm-hmm. and set the story, and you could have had him like run in with Puff and Midnight or or something just something simple like that. Just you take mm-hmm. two established characters and you, and you do that. But it was it was it was it was didn't that come out like around the time like where the Blade franchise was was kind of at its end and, and stuff like that. Where it was I like, think so. You know, you I don't think so, really yeah. We really like follow. We weren't big into the comic book movie scene at that time. So, but, like, but, but also too, I mean, I, I think when you, when you move so far from the essence of the character, right. And, and I mean, the fact that the character is British is a, is a huge part of, that's, I mean, what true. makes him appealing, but, but also, I mean, what, what, forms the character that when you move that far away from the original source material, it's, it's, you know, what's the point, right? It's, it's, you're creating a completely different character. Um, that it's just, it's, it's no longer a, a Constantine project or a Constantine movie. It's just, you know, in name only. Well, plus, you know, the, plus they had that whole, and, and this is totally a Hollywood thing. We couldn't, we didn't call the movie Hellblazer. We called it Constantine because Hellblazer is too mm-hmm. cool. Razor. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Go see it anyways. Just because you're touting a movie that stars Keanu Reeves after Bill and Ted and after Speed and The Matrix, come on. Who's gonna go see it? This mm-hmm. is point break, people. I don't know, Lonnie. What are your thoughts on the movie? Um, I actually, when the movie came out, was when I really started getting into the Hellblazer comics. So it was actually like right around the time that I read my first issue of Hellblazer. So I was, you know, I wasn't that into who John Constantine was at the time. I wasn't that into horror movies at the time, but I still hated it. And I watched it again recently and I hated it even more. (laughs) Well, there you go. So that, that, that shows that, you know, whatever angle they were trying to, trying to approach, uh, you know, for trying to pick up sort of non-comic fans, it didn't quite work either. What's funny is if you if you read about, if you read on the, if you search Hellblazer and you go to the Wikipedia, right, and you go to the movie section, it said there was a sequel planned. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so. now, in, in touching on that, did either of you check out the Hellblazer Constantine um, graphic novel that came out? Around the time of the movie. From the movie? Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. One of. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't even know there was one. Okay. Well, what one of many OGNs that that came out 
that you know are like coincided with it. I'm I'm trying to find it here on on Amazon just to give a little. Did he uh, did he look like Keanu Reeves in the graphic novel? Well, that's another thing, right? Why would why would <laughs> you cast a dude? It, it, it is so specific to have blonde hair. That it, it, sure, <laughs> maybe sidestep the British thing for one second. But yeah, he has blonde exactly. hair. Come on, it's why. It's like no one cared. No. Yeah. Everybody's just mad about this. We should just move on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. This is going to be a very angry podcast. <laughs> oh, we're, we, we haven't even got to it yet. Did you guys here's, – here's a fact. Did you guys know that in the first five years of the comic book, Constantine actually aged? <coughs> he aged with the book. When the book first came out, there was a, a hint in there that he was 35, and five years later, mm-hmm. he had his 40th birthday. Hmm. You know, I don't think I, I actually noticed that at the time. Um, to be honest with you, but but I think part of that also may have been because I, if memory serves, there was there was quite um, a, a ro- large rotating list of artists during the first few years, and and all of them kind of had their own sort of little visual take on Constantine. So I, I, it was kind of hard to pinpoint exactly how old he was visually, mm-hmm. uh, just because the styles kept changing so much. Um, but actually, I mean, that's one of the things that I wanted to touch on. And, and one of the things that I find appealing about the title is, is the fact that, um, he has aged. And if you look at him now, he's, it's clearly, you know, a much older version of the character than when he started the comic. And that's one of the things about the series that I find appealing is the fact that, you know, the character has changed uh, both physically, but also, I mean, just, you know, in terms of his attitude and, and it's, it's refreshing because you don't really find a lot of that in mainstream comics nowadays. He was, um, he was always a character where, and, and not to, not to, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting you off there, but he was always, yeah, a, he was always a character where I, I don't think the writers were ever told that, you know, you started a, you can go anywhere you want, but when you're done, you bring him back to a. It was when you when when a writer was done with it, they all they would have to pick it up where they left off, and they would have to continue with that. You know, it mm-hmm. was it wasn't you know start them safe, do whatever you want, and then you know bring him back safe. It was just I'm done, and basically now he's a rapist and he's a serial killer <laughs> and he's all this. Have fun, you know. It was it yeah, was, you know that was the that was the fun of it when you switched between all the all the different writers. It was. Yeah, and and I honestly also think that that's uh, a direct uh, result of it being a Vertigo title, honestly, Um, and just having a completely different mandate and a a different editorial attitude than you would have um, as a, a regular... DC comic. You bring you bring up the Vertigo thing, and I'm going to throw this to Lonnie first. Lonnie, a lot of people are, you know, saying, "Well, it was DC first. So, yeah. what do you, what do you think about that? It was it was DC first. I mean, we went 63 issues before Vertigo was even created. So, touch on that. Um, you know, since I wasn't alive at the time, it's something on, but. The past of DC Comics is, like, one of the things I've researched most in, like, my past decade of being a comic book fan. And sure, yeah, it started out as a DC book, but DC has changed 
it was completely changed in the 80s when we had that British invasion of writers coming in, right? And then, you know, that, that called for the Vertigo line and Hellblazer fit within that. So they moved it over there. Um, you know, there was an understanding with people at the publisher, with the writers, uh, that the character just fit there. And now moving it back to the DC universe, which is, you know, it's a totally different feel than what Vertigo offers. I, I think it's uh, a really big mistake on their part. And, you know, what they're doing with it, you can speculate, uh, you know, maybe we can get into that later. But I just think it's it really is going to remove a lot of what the character is about. And, and you know, I, Pedro, you're going to totally know what I mean here. When you when you looked at that, when you look at the fact that Alan Moore was writing Swamp Thing, you want to pretend that that was PG? Do you seriously mm-hmm. want to pretend that was PG? This is my biggest gripe with it. If you want to seriously sit there and pretend that these books were meant for everybody, you're wrong. Animal Man, no way. No, and that, that that's more towards the end. That that more like you know end of Morrison's run when VTech took over, and then definitely when Delano took over. That you know, and then of course that jumped over to Vertigo. So don't pretend that it was originally PG because there's no way in hell it was. Mm-hmm. No, and and the the proof for that is is the fact that I mean just a handful of issues into Moore's run, they stopped submitting it into the the comics code. Um, for approval, right? Because mm-hmm. that was that was the big thing is that uh, they they got into problems. I think within I don't know about maybe seven or eight issues into Moore's run uh, with the Comics Code Authority, and it got to a point. And I think as of issue, I don't know, I think thirty one maybe I think it was of Swamp Thing that they stopped submitting it to the Comics Code right. Authority. So basically, once I mean, you know, even before Constantine showed up in Swamp Thing, they had stopped submitting it, and it was clearly labeled as as sort of. I mean, I think it, initially they started putting sophisticated suspense on the covers, mm-hmm. right, to sort of indicate to indicate that, like, you know, this was this was actually a, a more mature title than the other comics on the racks, right? And I mean, that's what that's what led to the formation of Vertigo in the first place. Um, which is why, yeah, I think this this whole argument of, oh, you know, it started, you know, moving back because that's where he started is is just stupid, right. um, because it's like, yes, that that is where he started, sure, but that's because there was no Vertigo imprint at the time, right? And mm-hmm. if if there had been, that's probably where he would have shown up, but you know, where he would have popped up, right? And it uh, it's go ahead. No, I was going to, and it's because of characters like him and, and titles like Swamp Thing and, uh, you know, and Sandman and, and Animal Man that they launched a Vertigo line. Right. And, and DC, just to throw this out there, DC was putting Suggested for Mature Readers on the cover. The first issue of Hellblazer says it, right? Yes. So, yeah. And it, it yeah. Was, and, well, and, and that's, why, that's why Alan Moore left, right? That was, her, well, I mean, among many reasons, but that was one of the things that, that, sort of made him leave DC was because he was opposed to labeling the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a big issue with them slapping suggested for mature readers on, you know, Swamp Thing comics and, and, you know, then some of the other ones. Um, but then eventually that's sort of what led to the formation of Vertigo. Right. And we're forgetting one, one title that switched over Vertigo. And I just want to throw it in there because I think everyone should check it out. And that's Shade. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are issues of shade, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so let's kind of you know jump over real quick and let's kind of talk about you know do, do you guys have a, a favorite story arc 
of all time. I mean, we're talking 300 issues of Hellblazer. Do, do you, does anything actually stand out in terms of like a story arc that, that you would tell anybody like go pick up like let's say it's Original Sins, go pick up Original Sins, go get that trade. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of uh, Original Sins actually. Um, my favorite writer on the series is actually probably Alan Moore, just those issues in Swamp Thing. Um, just something about the way he writes his characters. Uh, you know, he's he gets that, like, British grit across really well, and I've always loved that about him. Uh, so he's probably my favorite writer, but I, I do have a, a special love for Original Sin. Okay. Pedro? Um I, I, I'd have to say Delano, or Delano, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce his name. Um, but I, I just, I, I think I remember at the time reading those, the first, you know, two or three years, and just being completely blown away, because it was, it was so different from anything else that was out at the time. And different, I mean, different than his, or uh, his appearances in Swamp Thing as well, like just a, a different look to it and a different feel, and there was a lot of subtext in there, like politically. Um, and it's just that, I, I don't know, they, they left a really big impression on me. Um, but I think out of that, that run, the one that sticks with me the most is probably, I think it was Delano's last story. Um, and forgive me because I can't remember right now what is it was it the, called. But it was uh, the fear machine. The, the storyline where he has, where he finds out he's got lung cancer. And then he ends up basically tricking the devil into curing his cancer for him. Right. I just, I just thought at the time, and I think, I think it's around issue 40 or so. Okay. Um, and I just remember at the time that thinking that it was just brilliant, you know, like the way he just, you know, completely goes in and, and just, you know, manipulates, um, the demons to just, you know, do all this stuff for him. And, and I think that's a, a quintessential Constantine story because it just tells you everything you need to know about the character and his attitude and his ability to just kind of con his way out of anything. Right. So that right. one, that one, that one I highly recommend. I, you know, I'd kind of go, uh, I kind of go with Lonnie. I, I think original sins. I mean, you open that first issue and you see this dude just eating himself to death. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking, come on. For seriously? Sure. And, and then, you know, you get it, you get more into it and you, you really get to check that out. Uh, all-time favorite writer is definitely Delano, but I was I was a, oh my god when Delano was writing Animal Man when he took over Animal Man that kind of like just sealed the deal for me. It was like this is amazing. So if either of you haven't checked yeah. out that early Animal Man yeah. stuff, definitely have to check that out. But and you know, and then then of course that kind of led me into reading his Hellblazer stuff, and it's amazing. But I really think at the top of my top of my list has to be Milligan. I think Milligan is absolutely killing this book. He is just yeah, absolutely, oh. absolutely, yeah. And sorry, actually, I, I wanted to kind of throw that in as well. That I've really been enjoying his run. Like I, I think it's just been fantastic, and the art on it has been fantastic as well. And uh, which you know makes me even angrier about the decision yeah, I, to I cancel agree. the series. Yeah, let's, let's touch on that next. But I mean, uh, let's let's kind of talk about like this. He is a British character, so from the start you had Delano writing it, then you had Ennis writing. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've had British artists. You you've had Steve Pugh work on this book, and if, forgive me if you're an artist on this, and I don't know that you're from England, but you know you've had, you've had Glenn Favory working on this. You've had Simon Bisley working on this. Now Peter Milligan's writing it. Mike Carey. I mean, it seemed like it. it uh, Alan Moore. I mean, 
you know, other than like Brian Azzarello, it seemed like they always wanted to have the voice be told from someone who was from England. So let me ask you guys this. Do you think from a standpoint if, if you're a if you're a British citizen <clears throat> or just a United Kingdom citizen, are are you mad about this? This is your character. This this is the character in America that represents you. No one else is doing this. Captain Britain's dead for all I give a shit. So <laughs> is, is this is this all you got? Uh yeah, I mean I like I think people in the UK who like they're inevitably going if you're a fan of horror comics and you've got to have a special love for for Constantine if you're from the UK and you know just the the whole move is probably a big piss off for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think so. I, it's I, it's hard to say because I'm not British, so I'm not sure 100% what what um, how popular the comic is over there and, and how ingrained in their culture the character is. Um, but I would think that you know, and again, like, I mean, this is a character that's been around for so long now, and I mean, to you know, to be this on the market for this long and to almost, you know, I'm just about to reach 300 issues. I mean, that's a fantastic accomplishment and, uh, especially in today's comic market. And I don't know, it's, it's, you know, instead of kind of celebrating that they're getting rid of it. Right. And, and again, like uh, I'm not British, but I am a comic fan and I'm a horror comic fan and I'm a Constantine fan and that pisses me off. Right, right. I kind of want to touch on this. I mean, we're talking 25 years. So <clears throat> to give people an idea on other horror series that have gone for a long time, okay, we had, if you can call it a horror series, I'm throwing it out there, we had the Elvira series, which went 170, 80-some issues from Claypool, which, you know, that that's insane. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that, that is just absolutely insane. That went 100 170, 180-some issues. Then you had, you know... Um, the Walking Dead has just finally surpassed a hundred. Dead World and en- en- encompassing everything is closing in on a hundred. Other than that, I mean, what do you have? How, how can how can a character and, you- and we're talking from the very start, not a superhero, not mm-hmm. mainstream at all. H- how mm-hmm. does this book get to three hundred issues? And and it's been and it's been consecutive, right? I mean, like it it's. You know, it's not like Swamp Thing, where I mean, Swamp Thing has taken a lot of rests right. over the years, right. yeah, where it's been Swamp off the Thing's where it's been off the market for a while, right? But Constantine has been on the market consecutively since it started, right? I so, mean, I mean, that again, it's a it's a great accomplishment. Okay, so let's finally get to it. Let's let's just get to the 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 bitching and the moaning. <laughs> 300. I mean, at this point, at this point, we're on, I think, what, 297 when we're talking. 297 is out. And now we're told that 300 is the end. You just read 297. Did you see the end coming? Lonnie first. Go ahead. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Short answer, yeah. No, I... I, There's no reason for it to be ending. (laughs) Um, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and again, because I mean, they've just married the character off as well. So you have that aspect to, you know, that lends itself to a lot of exploration. Um, 
So yeah, it just it just feels like they're cutting it off, you know, part way through his overall story, really, you know. And um, it's it's not like Sandman, for example, that was started by a specific person as a creator-owned property who had sort of like an overall vision and who said, you know what, from the get-go, this is a finite series, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the book ends at issue, whatever it was, 75 or, or thereabouts. Um, and, you know, he finishes it and then, and, you know, Gaiman says, well, that's it. That's all I had to say about that character. Um, I mean, this is, a, this is a character that when he was created, there was no sort of overall story arc planned or, or thought out. And, and he's, you know, been passed on from writer to writer and it's the mythology has been growing and growing and growing and growing. And now it's just, you know, been cut off like without any fanfare really. And for no reason then I think um, just a really bad corporate editorial decision. Right. And it's one of those things to me where it's where I'm sitting here and I'm I'm just scratching my head and I'm like, did were sales getting worse? Were, were they getting worse? Is is your is your little Constantine character and your new Fifty Two is he like so popular? Well, first we'll get to that in a second, but he shows up in every effing new book, <laughs> so that makes no sense. But. You know why? Why are you doing this to the point where you're you're destroying? In my opinion, you're destroying something that people like. I don't like. I, I'm a horror fan. I like miniseries. I like miniseries because it's over and it's done with, and then I move on to the next thing. It's kind of like horror movies. It's over and it's done with. I move on to the next thing. Yet you're telling me that you're killing something that I, as an ongoing, absolutely love. How, how, why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you doing this? I mean, it, and yes, we all we all know that the new Fifty Two version is this PG version, and I've heard rumors that this new Fifty Two version is supposed to basically be the character up until the point where it jumped to Vertigo. Well, he's younger, and I, I mean, I think they've I think they've said that they've they've said that yeah, it's, it's yeah. a younger it's a younger version of the character, when, you know, and not necessarily the same character, just you know. Yeah, because, you know, nobody wants to read about, you know, some man in his 40s or 50s, I guess. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's it's stupidity, and I think I have a couple of conspiracy theories <laughs> uh, to, that, I, that I'll be happy to share with you. Yes. So, but, yes, please, uh, but, please do. Uh, do you want me to do that now? Or? Yeah, why not? <laughs> what, what do you think? Um, I just – you know what? I, I think that – I think that there's a there's a dislike within the, the current DC universe for the Vertigo imprint, um, and I say that just because, from a marketing standpoint and a PR standpoint, when when the whole New Fifty Two was launched, they were very quiet about Vertigo. Like they they didn't really address it. Um, you're you're having all these people being promoted in in top positions within DC, but yet you have, and, and, and I want to make a point actually too of, of singling out uh, Karen Berger, um, and I, I hope that's how you pronounce her name, who um, I believe she's the senior editor at Vertigo, and she's been with DC for ages. 
Um, and I mean, she was one of the, the main editorial thrusts behind Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and the original Hellblazer comics. I mean, a lot of what Vertigo is right now, I think, is, is due to her. And yet, you never really hear about her within DC, and you never hear them praising her. And I don't really know why. Um, so I don't know if there's some kind of a you know, disconnect there. But anyway, sorry, I'm sorry to ramble. No, hold on. But, Let's, just real quick. So this woman was behind Preacher, and she was behind Why the Last Man. and, and so, she, was, she, she was behind an amazing amount of stuff, right? And I don't think we sing her praises enough. Okay. Really, because I because I think a lot of a lot of modern horror owes a lot to her um, as as an editor. Like uh, again, I mean, like because she was I mean she was behind Alan Moore one hundred percent when he was doing Swamp Thing, right? And I I just think that we don't hear enough about her. Okay. So I want to sort of address that, but um, but I don't know. I, I I think too it might just be it might be where. DC doesn't really know what to do with Vertigo, right? Because I think sales on Vertigo have generally been lower than they have on the regular mainstream titles. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, we all know that like the comic industry is, is hurting right now and sales are just dropping across the board. And I think there, there's so much internal shuffling going on. And I, and I think there's a desire to do a lot of rebranding and they have this vertigo imprint and they don't know what to do with it. You know, it's like they, they can't just get rid of it because it's established such a huge reputation in the market. Um, but I don't know. I think maybe, you know, the fact that Swamp Thing is no longer a vertigo title, the fact that Animal Man is no longer a vertigo title, and now, you know, Hellblazer is in the vertigo title, it seems that they're sort of moving all their property away from Vertigo and just leaving Vertigo as perhaps strictly a creator-owned imprint. <coughs> so, that again, makes I'm sense. not sure. That makes sense. Does, does Willingham own Fables? Sorry? Does Willingham own Fables? I, you know what? I don't know, but okay. he, he probably does just because of right. um, when it came out. Uh, by that point, I think most Vertigo titles were creator-driven. Sure. And create her own. So sure. I'd be willing to bet that yeah, he does. Well yeah, let's there it is. Let let's switch over. Okay. What are your thoughts on our new John Constantine and the new fifty two? But just up to this point. What did what did you think about his debut in Jail Dark and, and all of the ten thousand crossovers he's already made? Um Jeff Lemire is one of my favorite writers at the moment. Um I've been a fan of Justice League Dark since issue one. Uh, that said, I I don't think the way that Jeff Lemire writes Constantine is how I think he should be written. And this is, you know, I love Jeff Lemire more than any other writer right now. And for me to say this pains me because I don't want to say anything bad about him, but I really don't like the way he writes Constantine's voice. Okay. Um, well, I have a bit of a confession to make, which I think might get me into some trouble. Um, but I actually haven't been reading any DC comics since the new 52 launch. Okay. Um, I, I made a concerted effort to just, you know, drop out, uh, because I was so angry about the whole thing. Um, and again, I think there are some 
talented writers working at the company right now. I think Jeff Lemire also fantastic. I love his sweet tooth um, and a lot of other stuff he does. And Scott Snyder also like a fantastic writer. And I do believe that the work that they're doing at DC is great. Um, but that company has just, you know, hurt me so much over the last couple of years. Uh, oh, that is this I the just... final dagger? Is this it? Is Hellblazer? <laughs> well, the you know, you know, DC, or Hellblazer was honestly Hellblazer was the very last DC slash you know monthly that I was buying, mm-hmm. um, and you know I justified it because it was Vertigo and I wanted to support Vertigo, um, and I still buy the trades, but Hellblazer was the only monthly that I was collecting. So you know, this is it. Once that's done. Like I'm, I'm done with DC, DC Vertigo monthlies. It's, it's funny so, as funny as I'm 100 percent on on board with that, and it's not just Vertigo. I'm 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 done with DC because of this. Mm-hmm. It, it is it, yeah. it's so weird to say because the only other thing I, I I've is I've kind of gotten sick of Animal Man. The Rot World thing is going on too long. I I don't like Swamp Thing, and for you to tell me that now you're canceling this, I'm kind of done the only thing that would keep me on board is i vampire but i don't know it's just Mm -hmm. oh this just hurts and and the thing that i don't understand is is okay i i realize that you want to have the character interact with your dc characters and that's fine and and i'm not saying that you can't do good stories around that concept right i mean you know sure maybe a constantine batman crossover would be fun you know or 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 well done under the right hands. But what I don't understand is why can't you do that and have the Vertigo title at the same time? Right. You know, like, like why not have, okay, fine, this is, this is the DC Universe version of John Constantine. And that's why but, you the Vertigo, but the Vertigo version, the Vertigo version will keep going. You know, like, I don't understand why or what the refusal is to do that. If it's, I don't know if it's just some sort of corporate legality. I don't know. Um, but I just think that's stupid, and I think that's short-sighted because instead of picking up new fans, what they're really doing is losing a lot of old fans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And and again, like in today's comic climate and and market, like why would you do that? Like why would you deliberately go out and alienate a fan base that you already have? But yet this is this has been DC's thing over the last you know, year or so is, is they've deliberately gone out and alienated their market. So sure. Sure. And, and say, I don't get it. I don't, I don't have an answer. So. There, the, that's the funny thing is, is there is no answer, but all these, the, these two companies, they think that going out and rebranding if what you if you know, and Marvel's not even rebranding, they're just re, re, renaming everything. Yeah. Um, it's continuing to go. I mean, they're, they're thinking that this is going to bring new people on. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's not. You're not Pokemon. You're not whatever it is. <laughs> keep, keep the customers. I don't know what the big thing is for kids now. I don't have kids. But it, it's 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 not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work. And like, it, it, basically, how I see it is, the parents are handing the comics down. If the kid likes the comics, he's gonna read the comics. If he doesn't like the comics, mm-hmm. he's not gonna read the comics. So quit mm-hmm. the stupidity. And realize who your audience is. Quit trying, quit yeah. trying to find that new audience. At, at a certain- yeah, and and this, and this is what leads me to believe that maybe there's some kind of internal struggle going on. Because again, from from a logical and you know sales perspective, it doesn't make any sense. And 
from an editorial perspective, it doesn't make any sense because, you know, you've, you've gotten people used to 25 years or, and more of telling a specific type of Constantine story, right? Like, we're used to seeing him swear. We're used to seeing, you know, you know the the all the gore and 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 the sex and whatever. Like you're 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 used to a certain type of storytelling with this character, and now basically what you're doing is you're eliminating all of that because even though yeah the the mainstream comics you can get away with a lot more now than you could thirty years ago, you still can't get away with everything. Right, and you certainly can't get away with the types of stories that they've been telling in Hellblazer over the last, you know, two decades. Right. right. So it's it's again like you're, I mean, you're neutering the character is what you're doing, and as as cliched as that might sound, but it's true. You are as silly as silly as it is. You know, when you bring up the new the the, the magical new reader that they think is going to show up, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're talking about the fact that okay, now these people are going to be absolutely confused when we come out with. Constantine. Yet over here, we also have Hellblazer. Well, maybe they're an. But adult, they're not. Maybe they're an adult like me, and they don't want little superhero. Let's all get along. And oh, I, I, I fought you, but you didn't die. You go to jail for a week. But but you know what? The I I don't know. There's 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 a a real stupidity coming out of DC Comics, um, more than Marvel. That, you know, again, this, this whole mentality that comic readers are going to be so confused if they, you know, if there are two different versions of the character on the market at the same time, which I think is just stupid. Because I, I think Marvel has proven <laughs> that that's not the case with, you know, their ultimate series running, no, you know. No, 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 hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. You say mm-hmm. that, and yet there are five Spider-Man titles, and yet he's also yeah. a member of the Fantastic Four, and he's a member of the Avengers. Come exactly. On. Exactly. And, and, you know, there are like 10 Batman titles out and, you know, five Superman titles. But however, the argument can be made that those are still the same character, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, but, but with Marvel, when you have like, say the, the ultimate universe character, the ultimate characters and, you know, the ultimate Avengers are not the same as the mainstream Avengers. Um, but then, and then you also have, you know, these books that tie into like the cartoons and whatever, so that, you know, there are even more, so there's there's really about maybe like three or four different versions of the Avengers on the market. Mm-hmm. But people are okay with that because, you know, yes, people are stupid, but they're not that stupid. And I think if you have if you have if you have a Constantine, you know, Injustice League Dark, but then you have a Hellblazer comic as part of Vertigo, I think people are okay to realize that like, well, you know, it's not necessarily the same character, it's just a different version of it. Right. Well, people have been so, that up until this point. Yeah. So I, again, like it's just <clears throat> I don't know where it's coming from, and I think it's it's just another indication of them just shooting themselves in the foot again. Right. Know? Right. So, See, I I enjoyed, uh, and I I I'm guessing just right off the bat, I'm guessing that the original story arc on, on Justice League Dark, when Milligan was writing it, where the sales were down, because right off the bat, you took shade out of the book. And mm-hmm. uh, there was there was another character who showed up who was who was really cool. He was like the the guy who, who the serial killer. Lonnie, help me out here. Which Meg- one? Megawatt or something like that. I can't remember his name. 
I don't remember. He showed up right at the end. But my point is, my point is, Milligan was writing that book. Now I I know he went over to Stormwatch and and started doing that. But I thought Milligan carried over. He he had that same tone in that mm-hmm. first in that first arc, mm-hmm. you know, with with Constantine. But I kind of agree with you. I I just wanted to touch on that real quick. But but like I said, I mean, it seems like every and DC is doing this just to piss everybody off. Is the, only the only well, that the, seems to be that seems to be their mandate, right? Like, it does. It does. Let Let's do as much as we can to piss our readers off. Yeah, let's put so, Constantine in every single book just to get that person to pick it up. It's like keep Constantine. I understand Constantine's Swamp Thing, you know, crossover appeal, and that's perfectly fine. But why is he showing up in Animal Man? Why is he showing up in this new uh, magic book, a- Amethyst, or something like that? I can't even think of the name yeah, of the book. Yeah, Amethyst, what, yeah. What, what's he doing in that book? And and what's the and now all of a sudden, now he's he's got his new title. Now, I do like the fact that they are going to the books of magic. Mm-hmm. I will say but that. He was, but, but he was in the books of magic originally, that's right? That's my point. And yeah. they, even, they even touched based on, on, on the kid from the books of magic, you know, Harry Potter before Harry Potter. So DC yeah. goes to J.K. Rowling, do what you got to do. But, I mean, you, you look at that original, you know, books of magic crossover. That was great stuff. That was Neil Gaiman and John Bolton. Oh. Yeah. You know, yep. And that was, uh, I, I mean, that wasn't a Vertigo comic, if I recall. But, but. Again, it was it was uh, a direct market comic, so it was only available at comic stores, which back then in the late '80s was still a novel idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like a precursor to, Vir- to Vertigo, because it was it was understood that if you're making a comic that's going to be shipped specifically to comic book stores and bypass you know the Seven Elevens and uh, your corner stores, you can do different things. And you can maybe throw in the odd swear word or, you know, the odd glimpse of nudity or something. And, and again, this is all, all a precursor to Vertigo, right? Right. Right. And, and like, the, but we've said it. I mean, that, that was just different then. That, that's kind of really all that it was. Um, so I, I guess this kind of wraps everything up. Let's, let's kind of just throw it out there. Issue 300 is, is coming out soon. How is it going to end? Make your predictions. Lonnie, you're first. I know I'm th- putting you on the spot. <laughs> I, am, I have no idea. Do you think he's going to die? you think he's just going to ride off into the sunset? I mean... Yeah, I, I see it as more of a, a happy ending than a, a sad one. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... It's going to be bittersweet. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I read the I read the last issue uh, just a few days ago, and it was and by last issue I mean latest issue, not issue three hundred. Um, and I, I read it after the news broke, so it was a very difficult read, mm. right? Because I was because I was reading it knowing that it was going to be canceled in a few issues, and and it was just so tough, um, but. If I make it to issue 300, and you know when it comes out, and um, I yeah, I predict I predicted ending on sort of like a a kind of a a scene with him and his wife, you know, just sort of kicking back at home or something, and and you know, taking a rest from all the craziness. I think that's that's probably how it's going to end, and and leaving it a little bit open ended for you know the character, because I I do believe the character will eventually return to Vertigo, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, 
because I, I just, you know, I think if there's one thing that we've learned in the last year and a half is that nothing really lasts in the new 52 universe because they have no idea what they're doing. Right. And so many things have come and go. So many ideas have come and gone. And, and I think this is just ultimately going to be another one. Well, I'll throw it out there because I think he's going to die. I'm the only Sorry? one who's going to say it. I think he's going to die. You think so? I, I, I honestly think so. But here's, here's something I just thought about because you brought up the last issue. We're just being introduced to his goddamn nephew. Yeah, exactly. Who, who he's training, if you will, if you will, based on that last issue. But if he, he's training him, and, and now we find out that the nephew has this crazy half-brother who knows magic. I mean, this just leads into what could happen next, for Christ's sakes. I mean, yeah, and and I mean, it's, it's hard to say, again, because, because you know, I mean... And, and and I've touched on it, but part of the problem with DC is that they don't communicate what they're doing well to the public, mm-hmm. right? So instead of saying, look, this is, this is what's happened and this is why we've decided to end Hellblazer. I mean, for all we know, it's possible Milligan was planning on leaving the title True. with issue 300, right? Like mm-hmm. he, might, he might have gone to them, you know, a while back and said, you know what, I, I've only got stories up until this point, and after that, you know, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And maybe, you know, they thought, okay, well, you know what, this might be a good opportunity to sort of end the series and whatever. We don't know because we don't get, the, you know, the, the truth from them. Which one All we get are these... Number? Let's call them. <laughs> okay. But all we get are all we get is just you know the usual jargon from them and about like you know well we want to introduce the character to a new generation and blah 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 great stories being you know of him with superheroes blah 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 and it's like really you know come on right so. well, I'm gonna throw this out there on uh, on my other podcast Tales from the Water Cooler we have decided that instead of signing a petition we suggest that everyone listening go if you don't smoke it's perfectly fine go to a cigarette or go to anywhere you see an ashtray outside. Take a, a a coffee tin, fill it up with cigarette butts, and we are going to send all these cigarette butts to Dan Didio. <laughs> That's a good idea. Until they change their mind, and if you need the DC <laughs> headquarters, address, just go to their website because it is there. Okay. So that is our that is our petition. Instead of trying to get people to sign a petition, not that it would work. I mean, they'll they'll realize it sooner or later, and then they'll expect all of us to just come back. Yeah, which is, you know, and, and that's what they always do, right? They they always expect readers to come back, and, and you think that they would have learned over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that readers are not coming back every time they do one of these stupid stunts. Right. And this is why, you know, the comic industry keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, but it's funny because you, they... say, you say all these stupid stunts, but you have to throw it out there. Every year Marvel does this stupid-ass crossover that means nothing, and people spend... <laughs> a hundred, two hundred dollars to pick up every single issue of it. While they could be reading something good like Hellblazer for Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 I mean I also think part of the problem part of the problem with the market right now, especially when it comes to D C and Marvel, is that they each have just way too many titles out. Right? And and they're competing with each other. So it's it's kinda hard for a for a comic like say, you know, I mean, with DC, it's, it's hard for something like, say, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, to do well when it's competing with, you know, 10 Batman titles, right? right? 
Right. And 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 this is why I I lean more in, in the last couple of years, especially lean more towards the smaller companies like Dark Horse and IDW and and even Image, because they each put out what like maybe five to ten titles a week. If yeah, if that yeah. If if that much, right? As opposed to DC and Marvel, who each put out like I don't know twenty right. a week. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, you know, anyway, sorry, that's, that's a right. bit of no, a tangent right. on, right. on, the, on the industry as a whole, but yes, but for anyone listening, <laughs> for anyone listening, stop reading DC and Marvel comics and read something else for a change, yeah. Well, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you, you since you listen to, you read horror comics anyways, then you definitely yeah. know that you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something good, you're reading the creator-owned stuff, you're, you're checking out the, the good stuff that's out there. Uh, unlike the stuff that you're just kind of force-fed with all that superhero crap, I don't know if you mm-hmm. disagree with me on the superhero crap, but that's that's your thing. But you know, it's um, I do, yeah, I, and, and I, you know, and and it's a shame for me because I, I mean, I grew up with the superhero crap, right? Sure. When we all, we all when when it wasn't when it wasn't crap, right? And and that's what got me into comics was the superheroes, and there's a part of me that still loves the superheroes, but they've just been diluted and, and, and stretched out so much. And, and again, it's this, and, and this harkens back to why I liked Hellblazer was this idea of change and the characters evolving and growing, which you don't see in superhero comics right. anymore. Right. Right. Because even, even when they do the major shocking event, right, they're over it in about a month because then they move on to the next major shocking event. Right. right, and and the characters still look like they're in their twenties, even though you know by now they should be well into their forties or whatever. Um, no, they X Men started in the sixties. They should be in their nineties. Well, yeah, yeah, but by comic time, you know, I can I can I can buy the I can buy the sort of you know comic time moving differently. But but you know, it's it's just the fact that the characters themselves haven't grown emotionally or mentally or whatever. And and, and again, like that's that, that's what I latched onto. That's what I latched onto in, in Hellblazer was was the fact that you know he was growing and he was learning from his mistakes. And and you know, it's it's if you compare the character now to when he was where he was in issue one, you could definitely see a, a change. Right. Right. And, and you're talking even even artist wise. Like look at look at the way that they're drawing him. He has scars. He he is mm-hmm. scarred. He is scarred from everything that he has mm-hmm. gone through. You know that that you're talking 25 years of solid character development. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and again, there's this there's this fear in the market now for some reason that you know people won't won't want to read a character if they have a backstory, which again, I think is ridiculous. Right. Um, right. But you know, they whatever. don't understand. But, uh, they don't understand the market. I, I, I think that's yeah. the easiest thing. To You're say. right. They, they don't understand the market. For You're absolutely right. Send, you know what? Image comics, IDW, dark horse. I don't care which one of you go buy Hellblazer, buy the crap. out. <laughs> buy, buy it off of DC because you can keep it going. Look at yeah, I, and it the, like you said. I, I think one of the big things that came down to it was it wasn't creator owned. It, mm-hmm. They they had I, I think so at the entire time. Yeah. But was, I think so, and I think I don't know. Maybe it was Warner Warner Communications. I don't know, putting the pressure on them, saying like you know, bring this character back, bring this character back into the the mainstream, so we can you know, put him in the next Batman movie or something. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the what the sort of 
you know, backstory of it was. But again, I, I do think it's, it was, it's just a stupid move. So, all right, I, 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 we're way over a half hour, and I know Pedro's like, I can fuck on this for two hours. But, yeah, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> but no, um, you, you know what? I think the easiest way to sum it up is just seriously that we're all really, really disappointed with this. I mean, the only way you can make your voice honestly be heard if you really are upset about this is to let DC know. Don't go to Facebook and just say it on Facebook like I'm mad about it. You actually have to let DC know mm-hmm. that you made a mistake. The, you know, I don't know how many people out there are going to pick up Constantine. But out of the three of us, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. I have no idea. Um, yeah. But you, DC's going to send you guys copies anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but you know what's, what's, what's funny too, though, and, and kind of ironic, is that this past week, Mattel just issued through their, uh, through their online action figure, their DC action figure club, they issued a Constantine action figure. Hmm. Is it? A, is it? Oh my God! Please tell me it's a re. Uh, not it wouldn't be printing, but I'm just going to use the word printing. Is it a reprinting of their original Hellblazer figure? No, because that was a DC one. That was a oh, DC was Direct okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is Mattel. This is the first time Mattel has done it. But what's what's funny and ironic is that it's the Vertigo version. Right, so it's it's the older Constantine with the scars on his face and you know the sort of gray in his hair, and I just thought you know how appropriate that they put out this version of the character in action figure format right when you know his title's been canceled and you know they're about to unveil the brand new young Constantine, right? Right, right. Too funny. So, Too funny. All right, bittersweet. Well- uh, let, let's seriously, we, uh, we already talked about how we thought it was going to end, so we can't wrap it up on that. But I want to wrap it up on, you know, you guys plug plug whatever you want. Lonnie, go ahead and go first. Um, I just want to say, I read this somewhere online, I was discussing it with someone. Um, some people think Twilight of the Superheroes might be coming back, and that's the reason for this. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I think it's interesting to think about given how much Alan Moore they're recycling these days. Okay. Now plug your website. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't really have anything to plug except you know. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I don't have anything to say really other than uh, read Room War magazine. That's, uh, <laughs> and of course, you got to go to Room War website. Yes, Rue uh, <laughs> Rue morgcom I think. Yeah. And you can always check out everything on uh, the Room War boards when it comes to comics as well. Correct. Yes. Which I was supposed to... I don't know if you know this, and we should probably talk about this off the air. I was supposed to be the moderator for those boards. Oh, were you? Okay, no, I didn't know that. I didn't. And I was just like, I just I just don't have the time for it. That's pretty funny. But, uh... Lonnie, yeah, yeah. Not, not Lonnie, pimp, pimp your website. What? Pimp your website. Oh. <laughs> um, you can always check out uh, the latest news for horror and sci-fi comic books on bloodydisgusting.com slash comics. Um, there's also some stuff on the front page, and you can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is lawn underscore monster. And Pedro, your Twitter? Um, my Twitter is good lord, what is my Twitter? Uh, it's p p cabazuelo at uh, twitter dot com. Uh, you know, let me just check here because I always forget. 
P so it's at P C A B E Z U E L O on Twitter. There you go. And of course, being Ghastly Ward judges, we have to remind everybody that uh, you need to check out everything Ghastly Wards. We can't technically say that Hellblazer is going to be up for best ongoing, but we can hint at it heavily. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's one of those things. Like I said, last year Hellblazer was up for best ongoing. Mill- I think Milligan was up for best writer, and you know, and and it won best one shot with the annual with Suicide Bridge. It was. This is a very very solid series that mm-hmm. magically is is disappearing from the horror ranks and and it's sad because seriously now we're dropping down to the second longest and even though it's over with the second longest running horror title ever is Elvira so <laughs> take that <laughs> take that for what it is even though the walking might soon soon eclipse it unless Kirkman decides that that needs to end yeah. but I still say that's what not did uh... What did the uh, the vertical run of Swamp Thing went up to? What it was like a hundred and something, wasn't it? I think it? it was like a hundred and twenty. Hundred and twenty or thereabouts. Something like yeah. that. But I mean, in, and, and like you said, then it stopped. Then BKV took over. Yeah, Andy it stopped. Yeah. Took over. So I mean, that was one of those weird, you know, back and forth things. And then uh, you know, Animal Animal Man's and. If you can count it consecutively, then that's kind of probably up in the hundreds. But the early Morrison stuff really wasn't, you know, total. So, okay, now real quick, because uh, we were talking about this earlier, and I compl- and we got so sidetracked. I just want to ask you, you know, we were talking about um, Vertigo being creator-owned. I mean, do you think DC kind of, in in a way, do you think maybe they just flashed some money at Gaiman, and that's why he's coming back with some Sandman stuff? No. Okay. I have two more um him as a person to believe that he would do that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I'm sure the money doesn't hurt, but I think, you know, he's, he spent some time, he spent enough time away from the character that I can see that, you know, he might have some new ideas. Uh-huh. Right. So uh, on that, in that sense, no, I, I you know, I, I do believe that he probably isn't, is interested in writing some more Sandman stories just because he's, you know, been away from the character for for a while, and he might very well be nostalgic for the character right. himself, right? Right. And uh, I will throw this out there real quick. Go to Amazon now and start buying all 15 of the trades and then wait for the final trade to finally be solicited and then buy that one. Because they're going to collect these in library editions, which are going to be way too overpriced. Mm-hmm. So, so go grab it all now while you can. <laughs> and I want to kind of end on this. Um, in 1986... John Constantine, the character, was the favorite supporting character in the Eagle Awards, which are a British award. He was. This, it, he also won it in 1987. And then in 2005, right. Empire Magazine named him the third greatest comic book character of all time. Mm. And that was 2005. So we're talking still seven, eight years later. I mean, you, you kind of look at the history of characters that have lasted, and he would definitely be in my top five. I just I just want yeah. to throw that out there because I mean I think it I he's a character that sadly is is now ending for as we all agree no reason yeah and and again you know I mean I think I think if it, was, if it was a matter of the series just coming to an end because that was it you know and and the character has reached his logical endpoint that would be something it would still it would still be again like you know it'd be sad but 
whatever, that's, that's fine. You know, give the character closure. But again, like this is just, that's not why they're doing it. They're it feels, doing it for it feels, this other reason. How come we didn't have like a year-long countdown? Twelve issues left to Hellblazer. Yeah, or something because like that. like with because like with most of the stuff that's been done in DC, you know, in the New Fifty Two, it all seems like a last-minute decision. Right. 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 That you know they just came up with one day while they were having their morning meeting or something. Sure. Sure. So. But I don't know. That was the idea behind the vertical offices being on the other side of the country, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Wait, conference call those jackasses. Hellblazer's done. All right, over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. But no, uh, definitely, guys, seriously, thank you so much for coming on, Lonnie, Pedro. You know, everybody, like I always say, everybody, go to Bloody Disgusting, check out everything over there. Pick up Room Org. Pedro's articles are absolutely fantastic. He does some amazing reviews. Does your stuff ever show up online, or is it strictly in the magazine? Um, I believe it's strictly in the magazine. Okay. And definitely... Believe it's, unless, unless they've been putting it online and I don't know about, which is possible as well. Okay. Another thing, definitely check out in Room Org is a friend of the show, Jay Fosgett, does his little uh, comic strip every month. It's not even a strip. It's like a one-panel little uh, or <laughs> blog, blog, box. I don't even know what to say. But that, that shows up in Room Org every month. That, that is absolutely fantastic. So, guys, seriously, thank you for being a part of this. And, you know, I thought we'd leave on something like Remember, Remember the 5th of November, but I didn't have anything. But that was still Vertigo, right? I get points for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, everybody send your cigarette butts to D.C. And, and we'll get this shit back. And we'll get it back on track. So thank you guys for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on.